Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And you know what's interesting? It's that Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. John 8, 28. And he means two things. And, and the depth of the meaning is not, it's lost on his disciples. It's lost on the crowd. Lift up the Son of Man. He's talking about the cross. <laughs> when you see me on the cross, and, and, at, and just like the Roman soldier, you will know that I am he. And then when you lift me up in your own hearts, you will know that I'm he. And you know, so often I, I when I'm telling someone about the Lord or or explaining about Christianity or, you know, I, I have to just say, you know, just like the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. So lift him up in your own heart and you'll know. It, lift him up in your own heart and you'll know. And sometimes it took an, an event, uh, maybe not good, maybe good, that made you realize I have to lift up Christ in my own heart for me to see. For me to know that I, who he is. And then Jesus goes on to say, I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. And so many people are coming to believe in him. And then there's super significant two verses. I mean, every verse in the Bible is significant, but these two really, really hit me hard. John 8.31 and 8.32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free or set you free. Wow. Okay, what, what I want us to start noticing in the Bible, and if you just started underlining it in the Bible with like, it'd be kind of cool, is the words, if you. If you. Because so often we think, oh, God's, God said he'd do this, God said he'd do that, God said he'd do this, and God said he'd do that. No, he says many, many times, if you do this, I'll do that. And so here he's saying, if you. And I, I won't... I kind of went crazy because I did a word search on if you, and then I just got, got really like crazy on it. But I mean, it, it's interesting. All of the verses that are positive and negative that are derivatives of if you from our actions, if you do this, then that Genesis four, seven says, if you do well, Will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and is desire for you, but you must master it. So, I mean, it's just from the very beginning. <clears throat> from the very, very beginning. I have pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of this. But Deuteronomy 4.29. I'm just skipping around. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and soul. And so people say, oh, well, you'll find God. Well, no, if you search with him with all your heart and soul, meaning you really want him. 
If you'll listen to the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all of his commandments, which I'm commanding you today, and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God, then he will give you all these blessings, and they list all these blessings. I'm looking at Deuteronomy. Um, if you want to see, if you, a lot, it's in Deuteronomy. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so good. And I'm, I'm going to skip over to Joshua, um, because this is also a good warning verse. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations... These which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, then you'll be pulled down. Um, as a person, if you ever go back to idols, if you ever go back to intermixing um, tight friendships, not, not, not friendships with, with unbelievers or people who believe other things, that's fine, but those yoked friendships that... You know, you you just can't be with certain people a lot. You may love them, but that you just can't because it it pulls you away from your own beliefs. If you go back and do that, then then God then bad things start happening. I mean, this is talking about in their land, but it, it it's in our land in our hearts. So we need to drive out the inhabitants in our hearts in our land that that don't belong there. Like, a spirit of criticism doesn't belong there. You know, a spirit of bitterness doesn't belong there. A spirit of self-pity doesn't belong there. No, the, only the Holy Spirit belongs there. And we know he's the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and understanding, right? From the, from the spirit. So that's what belongs in there. And so, but here's the deal, is we see something that doesn't belong in there, and then we kind of try to corral it. And it doesn't work, you know, like when we're leaving church, Lacey says that it, our family for is like, he said it's like herding cats, you know, because we just are in all these different directions. And he says that always about women because we're like, see something, stop, see somebody else talk, stop. And I did get a vision of like maybe 400 cats and a, and a shepherd, you know, and I thought, oh, no wonder Jesus didn't say you are the cats of my flock, you know, <laughs> He goes, sheep are just supposed to go, just follow the shepherd. And cats are like persnickety. Anyway, the reason I got off into this whole tangent is we see something in our own hearts, and then we try to start working on it, and it doesn't work. This morning, I put on this new sweater from Forever 21 that was under $20, and I got makeup base or something on the bottom of it, I, I scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and then got some cleaner stuff and tried. Then I got some soap stuff and then tried. Now I've practically ruined the ribbing of the sweater. And, <laughs> and it God reminded me, and I wanted to say, God, please don't remind me with my clothes. Just don't, you know, don't mess with my clothes. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, I've sacrificed a lot of clothes for things that he's taught me. And he reminded me, you know, Kathleen, that's just like how you work on your own sin. You know, you scrub, you scrub, you scrub, you get a different cleaner. Oh, I'll try this. Oh, I heard so-and-so use this for, you know, da-da-da-da. Oh, I heard so-and-so read this book. Oh, I heard da-da-da. Go first to the Holy Spirit and go, Holy Spirit, there is something in my heart that is not of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Maybe, or gentleness. Maybe it's impatience. 
Okay? And you know, impatience is pride. Blah. Because that's Satan right there. It's I am above God. And impatience is also like, it's a form of pride. I won't go down that road or we'll never, ever get back to the other road. But, and then we need to go, God, I ask you to come and remove that stain and make me clean and help me, help me, help me, you know, instead of just scrubbing it and trying to work on it ourselves the way that we do. Um, I'm going to read a, a couple of more of these. First Chronicles 28.9 is talking to Solomon. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with the whole heart and willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now that's pretty solemn, Solomon. First Chronicles 28.9 it says, if you, in there twice, if you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. I want you to understand that forsake doesn't mean that you let him down. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you messed up. It doesn't mean that you sinned. It means actually translated refuse. And refuse is meaning if you refuse God's love, his help, and his truths. He will reject you because he's just following through with your choice. It's important for us to see that how many times in the Bible, all over the Bible, um, God says, if you, if you, if you, it's just awesome. This is a great scripture and this has really worked in my life. Um, like when you feel like gloom coming into your heart for some reason. It says in Isaiah 58:10, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. You know, when you're down, all you need to do is go help somebody else or help someone worse than yourself. But it says, if you, you know, so sometimes we're like, God, take the gloom, take the gloom. And he said, well, if you give yourself to the afflicted, if you do something for others, you, if you give to the hungry. I want to say a couple of these, though, because sometimes people think that, oh, no, he didn't really mean that. But in Mark eleven twenty six, it says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And that's a huge thing because we need to be constantly, constantly, constantly forgiving. And it's like when I learned about offenses and I learned that that wasn't from God, like just little bitty offenses and not to take offense, to take no offense, that that was literally what I was called to do. It helped me so much because it's so easy all day long to get offended, you know? It's like I was, <laughs> I was, was singing at church and then a man greeted the person next to me and then I know the man real well too and I started to greet him and he like turned around and like went off and I could have been like really offended but instead I was like hey wait a minute and I kind of grabbed him and you know just yeah it's nice that we can yell at our church but um 
if you don't forgive, neither will your Father who's in heaven forgive your transgressions. You know, that's talking about, that could even have started with that little scenario, or it could be a much deeper, deeper thing, that there's a person, or there is, yeah, a person that has somehow um, wronged you, and they owe you. And by forgiving them, you're saying, God paid so much for my sins, and I don't owe him anything. And because of that, you don't owe me anything. That's what forgiveness is. It's not saying, I love you now, and I like everything that you did, and we're going to go to Walmart together. I mean, it is truly saying, you don't owe me and you don't have to even tell the person. It's, it's in your heart. The person may have passed away. But it's saying, you don't owe me because God paid such a precious, precious price for me. And look how much he gave. Look how much he's forgiven me for. That's about all I have to do is go, well, look at how much he's forgiven me for. And then continues to give me mercy and forgives me. I can't have anyone that I haven't forgiven. Because it's not about accepting what they've done. And it's not about okaying them. It's about saying, you don't owe me anything because of Jesus. Because I, I don't want him looking at my... No, I don't want him holding my sins either. I just forgive you. But really, when I look at stuff that he's forgiven me of and... It's not necessarily anything you've done. Sometimes it's just stuff in your heart and you just want him. You want that clear path to God. And you certainly don't want to have unforgiveness blocking it. So if you do not forgive, your father will not forgive you. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I love that. Is it? I mean, you know, you can say, oh, that's a cool verse. John 14, 14. I will do it. Well, no, there's the whole preface to that if you ask me anything in my name so i mean i yeah i i do i go around asking for things in jesus name all the time because he said he'll do it and and so we need to look at all of these look in romans man there's tons and tons first corinthians but sometime underline them because it'll also kind of give you this neat little, I used to have this little book and it was all written out. Like if you do this, God will do this. If you do this, God will do this. And it was just all like compacted together and I want to find it. But anyway, um, so we go on to that. We were looking at John eight thirty one. Jesus said, if you, and that's a huge thing. And then he says something else that I think is really huge. What is it in in that that he's saying, then you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How will you know the truth and the truth will set you free? How? If you what? If you continue in my word. It's interesting because it says if you continue. It doesn't say if you start. It doesn't say if you like. It doesn't say if you sing. It says, if you continue in my word, and that word continue is the Greek word abide, remain, dwell, endure. 
Do you know that sometimes we need to think of it as if you endure in my word. Sometimes we need to maybe even write down John eight thirty one <clears throat> and 32 later on and, and underline that. If you continue and then next to continue, write abide. That's where you live. Remain. That's where you stay. Dwell. That's where you are. Endure. Endure. If you endure in my word, is that not amazing? That's faith. That's faith. Faith sometimes is enduring in God's word. That's all. I mean, enduring. Sometimes you just have to endure. And you have to almost, um, I don't know, just um, militantly love someone. I am going to love you. You know, I am going to endure. I'm going, you know, and, and, and we forget that. So much of it is continue, endure. That's up to us. That's up to us. And I was trying to think about athletes because if they don't continue in their sport and they don't practice, and the, you're never going to hear their name. But the ones that continue and endure are the ones that we remember. And I remembered about... Um, Robert Ash, the tennis player, and looked up some things about him. And I just, I wanted to read it because I thought this is a perfect, this is a perfect man to show just the continual endurance that God wants us to do. Continue in his word, continue in his word. And so even though this man got out on the tennis courts and continued to play and practice and play and practice and play and practice and play and practice and play and practice, we need to realize we're supposed to continue in the play and practice, play, practice, play, practice, 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 live his word. We can't just read it once a week and then go, gosh, I feel better. And then the rest of the week, just go off on our own, just fly away and then come back and expect to be changed or expect to know the truth or expect to be set free. Or expect to know that you're disciples. See, he says, you know that you're my disciples if you continue my word. Yeah. So, um, Arthur Robert Ash Jr. was born on July 10th, 1943 in Richmond, Virginia. He was a direct descendant of a West African slave. When Ash was six years old, his mother died of heart disease at age 27. Ash's father nurtured both Arthur and his younger brother, And his father worked as a special policeman and caretaker for a park named Brookfield in the suburban North Richmond. Young Arthur lived on the grounds with four tennis courts, a pool, and three baseball diamonds. And his early nickname was Skinny Bones. Um, But he picked up a racket as a young boy, continued to practice and play and practice, continued to endure heat, rain, and cold weather, continued to play tennis year after year. Don't you know that first racket that that little kid picked up on the grounds was just something somebody left or trashed? And don't you know he found tennis balls like around the, the you know? And, and so he said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And that's what we need to do. You know, you can't just say, gee, I wish I was reading my Bible. I mean, you have to go get the Bible and and pick it up and open it and continue in his word. And obedience is continuing in his word. Arthur Ashe had to go pick up the racket and continue with 
hitting the ball, continue, 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 missing, practicing, getting it better. The year 1975 was Ash's best and most consistent season. He was the first and only African-American male player to win the gentleman's single title in the history in all England lawn tennis at Wimbledon. Ash dethroned the defending champion, Jimmy Connors. In 1975, Ash was ranked number one in the world. Ranked number one in the world from a little kid just growing up near some tennis courts who never quit. You know, he's called names. He didn't quit. You know, it was bad weather. He didn't quit. You know, and you as a Christian, that needs to be a picture of our endurance. Matter of fact, Arthur Ashe also received a transfusion after a surgery and received AIDS, and he continued to continue <laughs> and endure. Um, he continued to rally professional tennis players to raise funds to increase public awareness of AIDS, and up until his death, listen to this continue. Ash remained involved in tennis and sports. He served as a television commentator at Tennis Matches Sports, consultant at tennis clinics, and a columnist for the Washington Post. You know, I like that. I like that when someone goes, I'm taking this up. Now listen to what Jesus says. He says, take up your cross and carry it. But he also is saying, take up the word and continue in it. Continue in my word. Endure. Endure. So he, in John 8, 33, the, the Jews answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? And, of course, Jesus means spiritually free. He means free body, soul, and spirit. It's not just spiritually, but body, soul, and spirit, but through a spiritual realm. And then I just laughed and wrote my own little notes here in, in my Bible. Um, did they forget about Egypt, Babylon, and the current Roman domination? I mean... This is kind of a a cocky group here. They're like, and we've never been slaves to anyone. Well, okie dokie. But I I, I love it. Jesus doesn't even say you're slaves right now and get into the whole physical realm. He's trying to keep them in the spiritual realm. John 8, 34, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. So he's going back to I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about your heart. I'm not talking about who is ruling the the country. I'm talking about your own heart. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Wow. I think the most controversial name, you can say God, you can say Father, you can say Lord, you can say, you say Jesus, you want to see a bunch of people get really mad or upset or angry or antsy or uncomfortable. It's because there's the power in that name. And it's also sobering to me to think that if his word has no place in someone, then he's not a part of what God intended for him. 
I mean, you have to give his word place in your life. And he says, my word has no place in you. And so what he's really saying is, you know, you've been listening to other people's word or you know a bunch of laws and that kind of thing. But my word, my spirit, the truth doesn't really have a place in you. And, you you know, we need to make a place. Sometimes we're so crowded out. We need to make a place. I was just talking to someone who uh, held hands with the person and then talked to his wife. He was just diagnosed with colon cancer. I told him to just say that because he said, and, and Kathleen, it's metastasized and da 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 So it was interesting when I was talking to his wife at church, um, and she was saying, you know, I'm, I'm getting rid of everything in my life that doesn't have anything to do with my husband or God. And it was also really great for me to hear because for his word to have place in you, very often we're so filled with other stuff. I mean, you wouldn't believe the people that, like, tell me that they have seen every episode of da-da-da-da. I'm like, well, that same time that you told me that you didn't have any time to read the Bible, you you could have been reading the Bible or listening to tapes or listening to CDs or listening to praise music or praying or well it's because we have to give something up to have place in us and i just want to ask you this morning how much place have you given him because we're supposed to give him all of us all of us you know and i didn't realize until like my 30s that that included like my nutrition that i couldn't just eat anything i wanted or you know do anything I wanted to my body because the body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, oh, <laughs> the more you read, the more you know, the more you know, the more you're free, the more you're set free. And so what kind of place does God have in you? And, and just really think about that. The word is a seed and Jesus is the word and the seed is of God. That's what place he wants to have in you. Just that word being a seed that can always sprout and grow. My word has no place in you. Think about that again. My word has no place in you. You've got to remember the word is a seed. Jesus is the word, the seed of God. So keep that in mind. Mark 4, 3 says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched because it had no root and withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased and yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, 100-fold Sometimes we need to just look back and go, what kind of soil am I giving to God's seed? It's like, if my word has no place in you, then you know I have no place in me. So we want to switch that and say, well, I want God's word to have place in me. God's word is a seed. The seed is Jesus, the word of Christ. And so what kind of a place in me, Is it a cultivated place where I've pulled out the weeds or are there so many weeds that it could choke out the seeds, you know, and we'll look at this Mark 4, 14. 
is explaining. The sower sows the word. Those are the ones who are beside the road when the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones whom seed was sown on the rocky places. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So we got to check our soil, you know. Do I have rocks? Do I have weeds? What have I got in my soil? You know, unforgiveness can be a weed, um, something that God's been telling us to do and we haven't done can be a rock. Um, there's so many things that are important for us to, sometimes when we feel like, gosh, I'm just not really absorbing from God, we need to go, God, would you show me what is in my soil. <laughs> I need to really clean house here because I want his seed to produce 30, 60, 100 fold in my life. Don't you? Yeah. But it says that it won't. It can actually get choked out by all of these things. And we're going to keep looking at what they are because it's important. Mark 4.18 says, And others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns. Those are the ones who heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Wow. I mean, to me, that's like a huge, huge one for especially developed countries. Whereas in undeveloped countries, it might be something else, but they're actually working for their food and they don't have all of the extras that we have. So he's saying, and, and I love the way God specifically says the deceitfulness of riches because he's saying it's not riches that are bad. It's just the deceitfulness of the desire of that being it chokes out the word and the worries of the world so if you worry a lot you're choking out the word and the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil and that's what we want to be those are the ones on whom seed was sown on good soil and they heard the word they hear the word they accept it and they bear fruit 30 60 and 100 fold that's why we need to check our soil level that's why we need to look and go, God, what's really in me? And that's why we need to just keep letting God go inside. Because we have the ability through Jesus Christ for that little seed, that little word of God to produce a hundredfold in our life. We do. And so you will see some people that have been taught something. Maybe they've been taught about healing. Maybe they've been taught about God's goodness. And you'll see that it has produced a hundredfold in their life. And you'll see other people who've been taught the exact same thing, know the exact same scriptures, but they're so worried about a situation, it just totally chokes out what they knew. Or they're so busy doing something else, or they have so much unforgiveness towards someone else that they don't really feel close to God, and it's, it's choked out, or there's a rock there. So, you know, check your soil. Maybe that's what we should name this little session check your soil my plant is dying Uh, this morning i just thought about it but it's by the fireplace and i'm not that good with plants anyway so my plant is like i checked its soil this morning and i was like oh you know what i don't think i've watered it let's see 
<laughs> it's been a while. I checked its soil. Sometimes you're going to feel limp and wilty and less vibrant. Yeah, parched. When's the last time you watered your soil with the word of God? And you can't just wait until once a week. And you can't just wait till the one radio show. Or can't just wait until you need it every day. It's interesting how God made us up of needing water and being so much water. And then the world is so much water. There's more water than there is land. There's so much symbolism in that. And we are constantly in need of refueling. And so how much more of the soil? Do you have dry soil? Maybe that's why you've been hanging your head and hadn't been able to get out of bed very well. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.